Galatians 5.22 tells us, you know, love, joy, peace, patience. We've talked about love, joy, and peace. Today we're talking about patience. 1 Corinthians 13.4 also. The first thing that says love is, is love is patient. And God is love. Therefore, God is patient. He's patient with us. He's so patient. You know, if you've never uh, understood the patience of the Lord, uh, a good book to read and to, in, in a different light is uh, the Song of Solomon. And to see how patient, you know, he was with the bride. How patient he was with her. How he waited for her to be ready. You know, the Lord waited for you till the day you decided to get saved. You know, the invitation's always been open, you know. Creation speaks of, of God. Like, you see him all over. You knew there was something uh, better out there. And, uh, and you had heard about Jesus. Uh, but who decided when to get saved? You decided when to get saved. If it was up to God, he would have saved you long before you did that and that and that and that, you know. But he was patient because he is love and love is patient. And so God is patient with us. Therefore, you know, one of the things patience is, is a choice because love's a choice. And so if love is patient, we also choose to be patient. Okay. And um, I, uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story. Um, Well, most people want to know, how do I get more patience, right? <laughs> so today I'm going to tell you how to get more patience. Oh, no, I, feel like I, shouldn't, I shouldn't play with that. Because you can't get any more, any more patience. You have to grow it. You have to cultivate it, you know. It's, it's something that you grow yourself eh? because it's a fruit of the Spirit. And so when you're in the Spirit, <clears throat> you give, you know, you, you grow patience, you can't buy more patience. You can't go get more patience. And, and we'll also talk about the misconceptions of um, uh, running out of patience. We've all used that one, right? I'm running out of patience. That's it. I'm out of pa- I don't have any more patience. Right? We've all been there. I mean, the last two hours, right? <laughs> Just and, uh, and then also we're going to talk about the relationship between patience and anger. So today your anger problem is going to go away because you actually don't have an anger problem. You have a patience problem. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, when I learned this, it set me free. Set me free. And so I'm going to start by, you know, because, because I know I'm the only one that deals with this stuff. I'll just tell you a story about me. And... Um, and this happened, I, it might have been a couple of years already, but I was reminded of it yesterday when I walked into my daughter's room and I looked up to the smoke detector, which was not there. It was just a little cable sticking out of the ceiling. And um, <clears throat> it, was a, it was a night a couple of years ago, you know, that we're in bed, all quiet, and all of a sudden it's that. And, uh, and it doesn't happen during the day. And you're like, okay, it's over. And then you close your eyes, just trying to go into that deep sleep, and that just beep. Oh, my gosh. You know? And you just hope that it's just going to stop, you know, because, because you heard it once the night before, and you put a new battery in it, or you thought it was a new battery, right? And then, again, you hear just... And it's just, 
loud enough to keep you, you know, to keep you awake. And it's like every time you go into that deep sleep, just beep, whoo, and you're tired. You don't want to get up. You're trying to fall asleep. And, and then why does nobody else hear it? I don't know. And so, and the thing, I don't, know about, I don't know about your smoke detectors, but my smoke detectors talk to each other. And this is so annoying. I don't know why they make them like that now, but they talk to each other. So if one goes, then the other ones go, and the other one go. It's like, you know, it's like, like herd mentality, you know? Like one's like, beep, beep, and the other one's going, beep, beep, and all, just all of them all of a sudden just like, beep, you know? And so I got really frustrated. And I'm really tired. And I get up. And I walk in. And first of all, I didn't know which one it was. Because they talked to each other. Right? So I'm standing right underneath the one in my room. Half asleep. No, it's not it. So I walk into, the, into our family room. And I stand there. And I'm listening. It's not it. No, it's not it. Then I hear the beep. And then these beeps, they trick you. Because you think it's there, and then it's over there. It's like, what? So I, I feel the bubbling up, and it's not the bubbling of the Holy Spirit. So I open up one of the bedrooms. You don't want to wake up the kids because, you know, for those of you that have little ones, you know how hard it is to get them to go to bed sometimes, and you don't want to wake them up, right? So walk into one. Yeah. Beep. No, it's over there, you know? Go over there, you know? And finally, I walk into the little's room, and it's this one. And I hear it, beep. I'm like, and I'm, and I'm trying to take it off, right? So I'm tall enough that I, that I can kind of reach, okay? But I'm struggling, and I'm tired. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying to do the thing. I'm trying to take it off, you know? <clears throat> and so I kind of unscrew it, and I take it off. <sighs> beep. And it's still going on, right? And I, um, I don't know how to describe this because I'm afraid you're going to judge me. But I got, I got so upset that I reached into the ceiling and I grabbed the whole thing and I just ripped the whole thing just from the ceiling. I just ripped the whole thing. I'm like, I don't care at this point. I'll pay somebody to fix it later. Still there. Just stand up. You know? And I just ripped the whole thing. There was just a cable. And now I have in my hand, you know, uh, the whole entire thing. And it's still beeping. It's still beeping. And so I go down to the kitchen. I open the garage door. Toss it in. Close up. Turn around. I walk away like Tom Cruise in a movie. And I, you know, something blowing up behind me. And I'm like, I got you, you know. I got you. But, you know, I, I... I kind of made a mess, you know. I still haven't fixed today, you know. And uh, and somewhere in the garage, if you're there long enough, you hear, you know. But I was angry. I was angry. That's not patience. That is not patience. And uh, and that's the reason why patience is uh, directly linked to anger. And so today we're going to learn how to find it, identify, and how to get back to patience so that we don't make messes. See, because when we get angry, anger escalates. Uh, most or majority of violent crimes ever committed are from anger. It's from anger. 
They never have to ever get to that place. But anger, you know, in its original word, if you track down the root of the root of the root of the root of the root, you know, you go down there, you all of a sudden find the word uh, mountain there. And I can't prove this to you theologically right now, but I believe it has to do with making a mountain out of something with anger escalating and getting way bigger than it was ever supposed to be, you know? And that's, I think that's maybe where we even get the, the uh, saying of making a mountain out of a molehill, right? Because most, uh, most, most of those things, they were never supposed to be that big in the first place, right? Like what patience would have done is would, it would have just calmly, you know, go grab a ladder, you know, figure out, you know, how to take the thing off properly, you know, maybe go on the internet, look up a manual, you know, and, and maybe call Bob and say, Bob, you know, <clears throat> I need help, you know, I know it's like 11 o'clock at night, but I need you to walk me through this, you know, like patience, you know, has a bunch of different answers and in a bunch of different ways. And so, how do we avoid those messes, you know, because sometimes the mess is not just a little cable hanging off the top, but it's a lot of really horrible things that we can say or do or, you know, and, and, and just end up in places we don't ever want to be. And so it's not about controlling anger. It's about learning how to cultivate patience. Um, and so let's go to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 11. And uh, we're going to read this out of the New Living or New King James, it says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you, and if we go to verse 12, it says, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. Different versions say, through, uh, through faith and endurance. Now, we all want to inherit God's promises. It's our inheritance, you know. But many times, we get the faith part down, but we don't get the patience part down. And it is through faith and patience. And so we know about faith. We've learned about faith. We believe it. We can see it. We can feel it, right? But why hasn't it happened? I believed yesterday. Why hasn't it happened today? Maybe it's been a few years. Well, Abraham got a promise that he was going to have a, a son when he was around 80 years old, and he didn't have that son until he was 100. So he waited 20 years for that one promise. And he's known as the father of faith. Even though in the midst of that, he had an Ishmael. Right? Which, when we become impatient, we can create some Ishmaels that can later be a pain to us, a pain on our side. Interesting that Ishmael became a nation that to this day is a pain to the son of the promise and the nation that it became, right? And so how many times because of our impatience, we create Ishmaels that later on come and bite us, you know, and kind of affect things, mess things up. And so it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. And the thing about patience is sometimes we don't know when it's going to be. We don't know when. We don't know how. It's as if God had called us to live a life of faith. Oh, wait, he did. Walk by faith, not by sight, right? But sometimes we don't like that part because that faith part 
We don't know how long it's going to take. And God's just saying, yeah, just be patient. It's coming. And it requires that we would blindly trust someone, we can't, someone who we cannot see, whose word we have, whose promises we have, whose, we've seen him faithful in our lives. We've seen him done amazing things, but the promise or the thing that we want, hasn't just, it just hasn't happened. But it's a promise that we will inherit the promises through faith and patience. But when is that patience going to end? Well, no, it's not about when the patience ends. It's just, we just don't know. That's the thing about patience. I mean, have you ever been to the DMV? Like they couldn't trick you more. They give you numbers with different letters. And so... It's not a logical system. If you, if you go get, you know, cheese at the store, you have number 20 and you look there on 15. So you can be patient because you know patience is only for five numbers. And you have a countdown. So you're like, okay, I know that when it gets to 19, I'm next. At the DMV, it's not that way. You know, it's like B3, G16, and you're H2. And then they go through all the alphabet, and H2 still hasn't come. You still haven't even seen an H anywhere pop up, because H is probably at lunch or something, you know? So that's kind of how it is with God. Sometimes, like, you know you have the promise, you know what it looks like, it's, it's in the Word, but you just, you, you have no countdown. <laughs> Um, in the New Living Translation, it says, our, uh, Hebrews 6.11 says, Our greatest desire is that you will keep loving others as long as life lasts. That's a long time to love others, especially when they're difficult to love. But check this out. It says, In order to make certain that what you hope for will come true, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. You will not become spiritually dull and different. In, in other words, if you only love those who are easy to love, or you run out of that love, you can become spiritually dull and indifferent. You know, people get calloused. They just don't care anymore sometimes. So instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit. So not all, only some are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and patience. <sighs> See, we're in this for the long run. We're in this for the long run. Um, a couple definitions of patience, you know, from the Greek and the Hebrew. Uh, in the Hebrew, it, it, it says to wait, uh, to look for, like you're looking forward to something, right? Uh, it also says uh, tension of enduring, long-suffering, slow to anger. Patience is to be slow to anger. Right? Psalm 103 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. God is patient with us. God is slow to anger with us. We know he, he poured all his wrath on the cross, right? So that he would no longer be angry with us. Thank you, God. But he's patient. Another definition of, uh, in the Hebrew is not just to wait, but how you wait. It says, in a collected and gathered way. Have you ever seen someone who is just not patient, not waiting 
very well. Like they're waiting, but they're a mess. <laughs> right? And they're stressed out and frantic and just like they can't sit still. Like they're not very good at waiting. You can tell that, right? So it's not just waiting, but it's how you wait. It's waiting collected. You're all collect. You're put together, right? You know how kids sometimes have to wait, but they're on the floor throwing a fit? You know, adults do that too in different ways. So it's not just waiting. It's how we wait. That's patience. That's a fruit of the Spirit. <clears throat> in the Greek, it means long-suffering. It means from afar or from a distance in the present. It means that it's not happening now, and you see it from a distance. You don't know how far it is. It's to be constant, to endure, steadfast, loyal. And another one interesting is not sword from purpose. And I was thinking about that. That's amazing, you know, because um, if we abort the promises of God because of lack of patience, we kind of swerve from purpose. We kind of swerve from the way he had to do things. Uh, in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, uh, it says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. We don't like that, right? Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance or patience. That's the same word for patience. And patience, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in the hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. See, this is so amazing. Because when we face trials and tribulations, we know God doesn't send trials and tribulations, right? We just live in a broken world. They happen. They happen even either because we're in a broken world or because we just made a bad choice. Or like me, you took a bad turn off a cliff, you went, and, you know, and it just happened, right? And you're in a trial, you're in a tribulation, but not, not by God. You know, he's with you, he's on your side, but it says that when you fall into these trials, when you're, when you're into this uh, tribulation, it says, no, um, I'm sorry, that tribulation produces patience and perseverance and character, and character produces hope, and hope doesn't disappoint. And that is a promise as well, that I can keep hoping, and in the end, I will not be disappointed. That's a promise because you know the reason why a lot of people don't hope anymore is because they're afraid that in the end they will be disappointed. And the longer time goes by, the scarier it can get because you think the fall is going to be even greater. But it says hope doesn't disappoint. Patience helps us endure well. You know, something, uh, one of the, a great characteristic of leadership is to know how to endure well through hardship because hardship happens we believe the protection of the lord i love how bob hudson says that you know we we believe for the best we prepare for some you know for for the worst so we're not naive we're prepared but our expectation our belief and our hope is for the best always and so you know uh how do we endure hardship determines if it's patience or if we're just waiting in the flesh, frustrated, worried, anxious, cranky at everybody. 
Because we have an excuse. I have an excuse to be cranky. My leg hurts. I limp. Can't run yet. Can't jump yet. I have an excuse to be cranky, right? But that wouldn't be patience. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. Can I patiently wait for the fulfillment of God's promise, full of joy and full of peace? Right? Can I endure well through hardship? Why? Because right here is telling me this is actually producing uh, character. It's actually producing, um, yeah, it says uh, patience produces character and character hope and hope does not disappoint. And so I want to learn how to endure through hardship and endure well. To not lose my joy, to not be rude to other people, to not just because I have an excuse. And I'm sure you have also very good excuses to be cranky because you're waiting in line and you don't know when your turn's coming up. We all do. Right? Gosh. Hebrews 12.1 says, let us run with patience, with endurance, the race God has set before us. You know, something about a race that I have never heard is to run with patience. Because in a race, at least here, right, it's about who gets there first, right? Who gets there with the best time. But interestingly, God is like, yeah, no, run your race with patience. You know why? Because your race, only you run it. There's nobody else running your race. That's the thing about it. Nobody else is running your race. Only you are running your race. And so that's why God's like, hey, don't worry about everybody else. Just run your race with patience. Because what I want you to do is get to the end. Run your race. Nobody else is competing with you. So stop looking at other people's races. Because this way you can have patience with yourself. Sometimes we're good at having patience with other people, but we're very impatient with ourselves. And it leads us to treating ourselves not very nice. Or it leads us to treating ourselves with anger. You get angry at yourself, right? Because you think you should be there and you're here. You're patient with everybody else, but not with you. When God is saying, hey, this is your race only. Run it with patience so that you can endure till the end. Dun, 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 dun. You want to run in a slow motion? Run in a slow motion. Doesn't matter. God just wants you to run your race with joy, with peace, with patience, knowing that along the way, He's leading you in the right direction. A place that is full of hope, full of promises, full of fulfillment. But many times we just get frustrated and we're running our race and we're angry and we're comparing ourselves and we're looking at it and now this happened and this is going to make me come in last. Wrong. Nobody else is running my race. This is my race. I'm still going to be first in my race. <laughs> I still get a gold medal. Piece of pavement from the streets of gold, you know. <laughs> All right. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Ooh, 
the testing of your faith produces patience. And it is through what? Through faith and patience that we inherit the promises, right? It says, but let patience have its perfect work. So patience is working in us. It says, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I want to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So my wife can finally have the husband she deserves. <laughs> right? Yeah, I want to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And how do I get there? Well, it's through the work of patience. Patience is working in me. But I'm too old for this stuff already. I've missed so many years already. Well, I'm pretty sure Abraham had a bigger excuse than that one. Right? How big is God? How powerful is God? You know, we limit God just by by the things that we see, by other people's success or, or achievements and things like that. And we forget how big God is. We forget how amazing he is and how he can do things overnight. Sometimes it takes a long time for a suddenly. But God is a good suddenly worker. Hmm. Count it all joy. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But patience has a perfect work. Are you letting patience have a perfect, perfect work inside of you? Or are you, you know, it's like patience is inside of you working, you know, doing this masterpiece inside of you. And you come and you just like distract them. And you push them over. And patience is like, let me work. I'm doing something amazing inside of you. And you're like, ah, but hurry up. I don't like this. Patience. That's why I'm speaking extra slow today. You have the Super Bowl happening later. You're stuck here at church. I'm going to call you out if you walk out. And I'm not even through with the introduction. And now I'm thirsty. I'm sorry, I'm just joking. But it produces patience. Let patience work inside of you. Patience is working inside of me. Patience is working inside of me. And sometimes you think, like, is it working inside of me to just make me more patient? Because what's the point of that? No. It's, it's working inside of you to make you perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Like, patience must be really amazing at what it does. Because it makes us perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. You, should reap, you will reap a huge harvest. In due season you will reap a huge harvest if you do not lose heart. If you don't give up. If you continue doing what is right. Isn't that amazing? There's, a, there's a, um, an experiment done, I think it was in the 60s or something like that, called the marshmallow test. And um, many of you probably heard of that, or maybe you, some of you were part of that experiment. I don't know. But um, they, uh, they, put, uh, they, they asked children um, in school, they said, hey, uh, do you want one marshmallow now, or do you want two marshmallows in 15 minutes? All right? And um, some chose instant gratification. Some chose delayed gratification. They follow the lives of those that 
chose to wait 15 minutes to have two, and they find out that these people are more successful, they're happier, they're healthier. You know, why? Because it's, it's, a, it's a core belief, you know, instant gratification versus uh, delayed gratification is just has so much to do with so many other things. It's not about the marshmallow, right? Because we know the healthier option is no marshmallow, right? <laughs> but what it does is like it shows us like, you know, what are our goals? And so, um, you know, I think my wife mentioned this, the attention span of teenagers 30 years ago was three minutes. Today is eight seconds. I think that was eight seconds right there, you know. Eight seconds. And social media is actually, you know, I don't know if they're forming this or they're just mirroring it, but like uh, uh, there's something called reels and shorts and like just short videos, and those short videos keep getting shorter. Like the social media algorithms and this kind of stuff changes all the time, you know, uh, because the shorter the video, you know, the, the better. And so people don't want to waste 30 seconds or a minute anymore. Like, oh, 30 seconds, uh, okay, can I just get, just tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. What are you going to tell me, you know? Oh, where's the funny thing? Where's the funny thing, you know? And so they just get shorter and shorter and shorter because they want, you know, people to continue scrolling and, and whatnot. But anyways, so it's all driving the attention span to shorter and shorter and shorter. That's why coming to church is such a good exercise so that you don't fall part of, you know, become part of, of that stuff. Otherwise, I mean, we'd just have to teach, like, really fast. All right, welcome to be at a church. Have patience. Have a great day. <laughs> Hope they got it. Instant gratification has to do with wrong goals. Number one, seeking pleasure or numbing pain. Instant gratification... Is for instant, fleshly, selfish pleasure or to numb pain. Uh, the other thing that instant gratification has to do with is anger. Sometimes I don't want to endure through what's happening right now. See, uh, sadness speaks of, uh, of the past. Okay, these are, these are all emotions. Sadness is is connected to something in the past. Worry and anxiety is connected to something in the future that hasn't happened, right? But anger is connected to something right now in the present. Something, beep. Something that I don't want to happen is happening right now, and the likelihood, the likelihood is that it is out of my control. So anger is directly connected to patience, and to control. Because I'm not willing to wait, and I don't like what's happening right now, so something's building up. Anger, right? Or I can't control what I just walked into, what I just saw, and I'm getting angry because I can't control it. Dun, dun, dun. I told you, anger is not an anger problem, it's a patience problem. Hmm. Your team lost. Nothing you can do about it. What you gonna do? <laughs> Cry. <laughs> hmm. 
Pay attention how often you get angry and what is making you angry. What is making you feel cheated, right? I will, it will likely be something out of your control. You know, um, when, when the accident happened, I had a lot of chances to be very angry a lot of time. Something out of my control, something, you know, like I landed, my leg is looking the other way. There's nothing I can do now. And all I want is for it to be over now. I just want it to be over now. I'm like, let's just put the leg back together. So we put the leg back in the right place. Ah, still not working. <sighs> and so um, faith, you know, within minutes, you know, Holy Spirit prompted me, gave me a picture. I will walk again. I will run and do long jump on the beach again, right? That's faith. The part I wasn't counting on was the patience part. And I kept telling the paramedics, and I'm like, all right, come on, let's go. i got to preach tomorrow. I'm in the ER. You know, they're taking their sweet time. And I'm like, guys, I need to be at church tomorrow at 9. I'm preaching on this, you know, on this, on this. You know, can we get this going, please, you know? And uh, they came back. They're like, yeah, no broken bones. I'm like, I knew it. I knew it. It's my faith and no broken bones, you know. But still, my leg was, like, detached. You know, and doctor's like, yeah, no, there's something not right here. I'm like, I'm like, just put a cast on it, you know, just put a cast on it and let's go. I got to preach tomorrow, you know. Um, and they came back and they like, yeah, um, you blew all of your ligaments except the ACL. Every ligament is gone. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Can we fix it right now? <laughs> I, I got to preach tomorrow. <laughs> Right, and then that was April. <clears throat> uh, that night I had a surgery. Uh, May I had another surgery. July I had another surgery. <sighs> Still not a hundred percent, right? And um, and and in my healing journey and the recovery journey, you know, one of the things the Holy Spirit taught me that I never would have connected. That was a key part was patience. Like, not only is patience, you know, is necessary so that I can endure well through hardship, but patience actually directly impacts my immune system and how quickly my body heals back up. Like, I'm not joking. Like, it's, it's crazy how much anger uh, suppresses your immune system. But, you know, patience is actually, you know, being in a state of patience, uh, which, you know, gives you the feeling that things are okay, right now, in the present, um, it takes some stress off of your immune system and allows your body to actually heal. And so that's some, something the Holy Spirit taught me during this time that has been huge in, to, in my, my recovery. And so when I'm there, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, this has happened, this happened, now the surgery, now the surgery. And then, um, I don't know if, uh, how many of you knew, but I had drop foot for months, you know, like I couldn't move my, my foot, which is like dead. I had to wear a boot to keep my foot up, you know, otherwise it would just drag. And so that was uh, frustrating because the doctor said, you're going to need another surgery for that because those nerves aren't coming back. And it was months and months. Now, we were at youth camp in uh, July 2021, and, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many people have prayed for me. And, uh, and the youth was like, all right, let's pray for, for my leg. And they were praying for my leg. And at the end of the night... Uh, after an hour of them laying hands on, I like 
I saw like a flicker on my, on my foot. And I'm like, that's new. It was almost like the, like the beep, you know, like you couldn't notice it unless you stared at it long enough and, and saw a little bit of that just come up, you know. Even the doctor saw that. He's like, yeah, that's, that's nothing, you know, that you're still going to need surgery. I'm like, no, I said, we're going to wait. I don't want another surgery. And so, well, I mean, look now, right? You know, it moves up. Like, I don't need a boot anymore. And, and, and so wh- what was that? That was the patience, right, for a long time. It's not just faith, but it was patience. And that patience is building something inside of me, and it's working character, and it's working, you know, it's making me perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And in every area of life, when we choose patience, which a lot of times, you know, we'll get into this, but it it takes also the spirit of self-control that God gave us, you know, to step back and be like, I feel that bubbling, and that bubbling is trying to create a mountain out of a molehill, and I'm I'm not going to allow that to happen. Because whatever's happening right now that I just became aware of does not need to control me. Whatever is happening right now, I can't control. But what I can control 10 out of 10 times is my reaction. My response is the only thing that I can control 10 out of 10 times. I will walk into situations that are out of my control. There will be crazy drivers on the road. There will be people flipping you off, and there will be people that are rude to you, and there will be, but 10 out of 10 times, the one thing you can control is your reaction. How are you going to respond to that situation that you don't like that is happening right now? That'll solve any anger issue that you think you have. Because it also takes, right, hope to realize I'm not just not doing anything and being passive, but I have my hope in the Lord who is doing something. Because I prayed and I asked the Lord and he heard me. And so he's doing something about this. 